Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com And we are recording. Yes, we're recording. And the traffic is a little crazy out there because we are heading into the 4th of July weekend as we are recording this. So we're all sort of holed up where we feel like we won't be having to deal with that. But if you hear giant aircraft flying over or ambulances going by, you'll know. You'll know why. So there we are. Kind of crazy that we're already the 4th of July, isn't it? Yeah, it goes quick just like life. So, but we figured this might be a fun time to talk about a more celebratory aspect of what we do out here on the East end of Long Island. So with that, we got at the top of the podcast, Bill Sutton. Hey, Bill. Hey, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. And I'm Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today are two very special guests who we know quite well, one of which is publisher, Gavin Manu. Hi, Gavin. Hi, Annette. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for coming on your own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and Ellen Diaguardi. Is it Guardi or Guardi? I never say your hey, name right. Diaguardi. Ellen Diaguardi. I think there was a mafiosa figure with the same name, right? There absolutely was. Uh, Johnny Dio, yes. There you go. <laughs> Knows where the bodies are buried. That's Ellen Diaguardi. I don't know what kind of special events he did, but uh, I just do uh, ones that are fun and interesting. So, you know. So is that on your business card, fun and interesting? Uh, no, it actually says director of events, I believe. Yes. Okay. That's what I was looking for. Okay. You got it. <laughs> At the Express News Group. So that's, uh, Ellen and Gavin are joining us because, um, this summer they've been opening a very interesting series that has to do with what a lot of people like to do on holiday weekends, which is imbibe some alcoholic beverages. So with that in mind, we kicked off the whole series. It's called Sips of Summer, June 22nd at the American Hotel with 50 years celebrating Long Island wines. Um, and that was a really fun event. We were, most of us were there. Bill was not, but the others of us were there. And so Gavin and Ellen, maybe you guys want to jump in and talk about the Sips of Summer, how the idea came up and kind of why you thought this would be a good series of activities to offer yeah sure uh you know we ellen and i have been talking for a while about about doing summer events we have our express session series uh that we run in the off season because uh you know it's it, that's you know important sort of newsy items that are that are affecting people's lives out here but the summer season is a is a totally different animal as we all know and uh so we wanted to do some events but but we that were a little more fun a little more light but also that have a little meat on the bone you know we always like to because we're in the news business tell some stories give some information along with um just having some fun so the sips of summer series um Obviously, we kicked it off with the uh, this is the 50th year that that wine has been made on Long Island. So that we thought that that was a, a great opportunity to celebrate uh, our local winemakers and the vineyards. Um, you know, we had we had some great stories. The cover of our Express magazine was about 50 years of Long Island wine. Annette, you had a nice story with uh, Roman Roth, who's the winemaker at Wolfer and uh, Kareem Masood who has the same role at Pominock on the North Fork. And they just have some really cool stories to tell. And, and the growth of that industry um, has really been, uh, really been impressive, actually. And, and 50 years is young, right? I mean, wine has been made in Europe for thousands of years. And 
Um, and, and Long Island is really just catching up. I mean, one of the cool things at the wine event was uh, Roman poured a 2000 Chardonnay. So you're talking about a 23 year old Chardonnay uh, about halfway through Long Island's winemaking history. And it was really wonderful, complex wine. Uh, Ted Conklin, the owner of the American Hotel, said that it was, um, you know, it, it, he puts it right up there against European wines of the same age and style. So was that the first wine that ever sold for over $100, Long Island wine? I know that there was one that Roman had mentioned when I spoke with them. I'm not sure if it was that one or not. Do you know? I don't, I don't think that it was that one, but, but that was a big turning point, Roman said, because Long Island wine for a while was sort of like, oh, it's something to do along the side of the road. And people yeah. are going to, they're coming out here anyway. So it was almost more of a tourism thing than a quality thing. But but that really started to change as these serious winemakers started getting involved and Roman and, and Kareem's family uh, going back as far as I can remember. And, uh, and, and the quality really started to kick in. So the, the wines that we were tasting last week, uh, you, you know, I know Annette and Ellen, you guys were both there, were really phenomenal. And, um, you know, certainly like any wine region, there's the average stuff and whatever that's getting put out. But, but these guys brought their best and um, and Roman and Cream both talked a little bit. Like I said, we we like to give a little bit of a uh, little bit of history, a little bit of context. And I think the people really enjoy just being in the room and listening to them talk about their stories because that's what's cool about this. I mean, these guys are are farmers at the end of the day, along with uh, making these wines. And you know, the weather is su such a factor, and the and the climate is such a factor. And now we're dealing with climate change, and they're. They were talking about the future of winemaking in the region and how they're going to have to adapt. So I, I was really impressed by the by their their um, their notes that they gave to everybody. And it was just a really fun event to kick off the series. So we were pretty proud of it. So, Ellen, what did you hear from it when you were you were sitting there at the front table and speaking to people as they came in? And well, one, one of my favorite parts of it was um, uh, the winemakers all came up to me and and pretty much said, the same thing, which was, this is one of my favorite wine tasting events I've ever done. And that to me is huge because think how many wine tasting events they do. And the comment really based was based on the attendees that we brought in. And I think that really speaks to a great extent to express, express sessions and also to the relationship that, um, you know, as community newspapers and a media company out here that we have with our readers, with our subscribers, um, and the people that came were people who were actually asking wine questions. You know, one of the um, one of the wineries, the person who was there doing the tasting said um, that uh, somebody wasn't just saying, oh, give me a red. You know, they actually were asking questions that would were interesting and showed some depth of knowledge. So we brought these people to them to taste their wines that they don't normally get at tastings. And to me, as somebody who has worked events out here for 38 years, that's the kind of thing you want to do. You want to bring the the right people to an event. And, and we managed to do that. And, and I think we'll continue to do that with the rest of the series. So that was really exciting for me. Cool. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to note that along with Roman and Kareem, and uh, we also had Dorothy Dean Thomas from Lens Winery, and they've been uh, making wine for 45 years on the North Fork. And John Leo, who's a real interesting guy, he he makes his own uh, wines as well as um, working for Clovis Point and Bay Vineyards. And he had some wines of his own. It's basically his own label, John Leo Wines. And he says he only makes that during a really phenomenal year. So if the weather is just perfect and the grapes are just right, he actually bottles his own stuff. And um, th that was another one that, you know, you know, Ted Conklin, the owner of the American Hotel, who's been a great partner of ours, 
uh, and really knows his wine. His wine cellar is is one of the best in the country, if not the world, frankly. And um, he just worked his way around the room and said it was it, that these guys brought their A game. It was really great wine, really interesting stuff. And you know, again, it's just a testament to how far uh, Long Island wine has come. That um, you know, experts like Ellen said, who came into the room, including Ted and a lot of our guests. We're tasting these wines and comparing them to to France and Italy and California, and that's um, that's high praise indeed. And and we're just you know like we're in the connections business. You know we like to bring people together over interesting content, and uh, we've always done that with our publications, our website, etc. But now it's kind of cool to be doing it over events and uh, here in the summer over uh, you know something a little lighter than the Express Session series. Well, it's kind of funny that you mentioned that. I just got a press release this week that I'm probably going to put in my foodstuffs column um, from Wine Spectator, which uh, just announced the winners of its 2023 Restaurant Awards. This is an annual awards program that recognizes the world's best wine lists. And literally the only place making that list um, on the East End, as far as I could tell, was the American Hotel and Ted Conklin. So um, that just sort of speaks to how legendary that wine cellar is which i have still never been in but yeah well so the the co the cover of our express magazine this month uh has some old uh, bottles of wine from um from wolfer and lens and pominock and even a bottle of old hargrave which was of course louisa hargrave was in her family planted the first vines on the north fork in 1973 and I got those bottles because I wasn't really happy with the cover we had. It was kind of like a, a picture of a vineyard. It was a beautiful photo, but you know, you'd kind of pass it by. But I said, we need to, we need to do something a little more interesting. So uh, me and Brian Boyhan made our way down to the cellar of the American hotel and we're tearing through the shelves with Julian, the, the restaurant manager. It was actually a lot of fun. And um, it's, it's really amazing. You should definitely check it out. Uh, you know, thousands of bottles of wine down there. It takes up the entire basement of the American hotel uh, a, a really cool experience, and I'm really happy we got to to do this event. And the American Hotel has has it's where Express Session started. It's a it's a very special place, and uh, they've just been a great partner of ours. So we appreciate them a lot. So I guess we should talk about the next Sips of Summer, which will be coming up on July 13th. So we're going to move from wine to another fermented beverage, but this one is beer, right? Yeah. So um, just like the wine industry grew, th this is kind of happening with, with, with beer out here now. And we did a story last summer in our magazine. Uh, Kaylin Riley wrote a great story talking to a lot of these uh, beer makers that uh, about, a, again, another sort of uh, quickly growing business. And um, we're excited in Sag Harbor that uh, Rory McAvoy opened Kid Squid Brewing along with his wife, Grania. And uh, they're doing some really cool stuff. And, you know, uh, next week, we're, so this event on July 13th is going to be at Kid Squid. Uh, it's also going to feature uh, Uber Geek and North Fork Brewing Company. So these are our guys who are sort of have a similar philosophy to, to Rory, um, you know, Rory is, is, is what's called a farm brewery. It, it means that 80% of the ingredients are sourced from New York state. Um, it's not, you know, it, it, we're not talking about Milwaukee's best here, you know, from, from back in the day. Uh, no, no offense to those great Midwestern beers. I know, um, you know, we all have a little history there, but, but these guys are, are, are sort of, they're, they're, they're craft brewers. They, they treat it like an art and they're, and they're using a lot of local ingredients, 
um, and there and, and there's a real following. There's a real community around this craft beer movement. Uh, Riverhead's got a bunch of breweries. Uh, the North Fork, of course, um, you know, we've got a few in Southampton and now Kid Squid in Sag Harbor. So we're going to invite guests to come down to Kid Squid um, and uh, taste some of these beers and, again, to talk to the makers of it. So there's a little information as to their process. And uh, some cool ingredients, Ellen. I know you've uh, you've been to Kid Squid a few times, and he he's sourcing stuff from all over the place, coffee, beers, all, all sorts of things. Uh, what are you seeing down there? Well, you've got uh, he's got grindstone donuts. He's got a coffee, a uh, beer rather that he made from uh, some uh, how used some grindstone donut ingredient. Um, well, the one that I have enjoyed is uh, they went to uh, Sylvester and Company and they got some of their dreamy coffee and they made a beer uh, that had uh, the dreamy coffee as one of the ingredients. And it sort of was like the essence of coffee in the beer. And um, I will I will say off the bat, I am not a big beer drinker. My husband is. And um he wanted a keg of that beer. And uh, I, I refused because there was really nowhere in my house I was going to put a keg of beer. But um, we went there quite often for him to uh, to get his uh, his little hit of the of the dreamy coffee beer. And they've, they've just used some amazing different ingredients. And um, there's uh, it, there's also a great camaraderie about people who gather there. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a live music fan and so we go to all these live, live music shows and then one of the things you, you you meet people and they're people like likewise thoughts they have the same kind of interest and um i feel like the thing about uh this event is you're gonna get people and it looks at like it because i'm seeing some of the names of people who are buying tickets that are not just coming to just have some beer they actually are really interested in the craft behind it and in how how it's done so we'll get some of that information out to them but also, just to try a uh, beer that's got some uh, grindstone donut uh, ingredient in it, I think sounds like a fun thing. So does that count as part of the 80% of the New York State ingredients that they have to put into their product, I wonder? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because I remember writing about this back in 2012, 2013. Like this is, this was a game changer um, for, I guess, the beer makers. This is the farm brewing law that was passed in 2012, went into effect in 2013. And it was designed to increase the demand for locally grown products to further increase economic impact and create new businesses around the brewing industry. So basically, it was from what I understand and Bill I don't know if you remember covering this at all but the idea was that it allowed this farm brewing license so if you had a connection to an agricultural product or a manufacturing outfit in your region you could offer the product as a side to the growing and the producing that you were doing so I think that was how uh, they got started. I believe that the Sagaponic Distillery, which is also where we're having another event coming up for Sips of Summer, similar kind of thing. Before that, these, um, especially with, I think, the hard spirits, is it was really just the giant producers, you know, who were able to make hard, hard um, liquor. And the farm distillery license really opened it up to allow these um, brewers and um, distillers to get involved in this industry. So, Bill, do you remember anything about that? I don't remember covering that, but it, it certainly explains, I think, um, you know, why why it grew so quickly and so popular. The the different um, um, breweries on uh, in in Riverhead um, specifically. Mm -hmm. I know there's a there's a a big there's a um, the the brewery crawl. Um, you know, and people go from brewery to brewery to to brewery tasting tasting the beers um, every year has become a very popular thing to do. Riverhead and and North Fork, and I imagine that's 
um you know i mean uh, all that stuff is is grown locally up on on the north fork for for those breweries um i guess that's the thing is that yeah the the hops and uh and the other things that go into it must be truly a, a new york state product now as far as kid squid goes they're actually making their beer i think um with a north with north fork brewery is that the name of the the organization that's making their beer alan do you know yeah, to the best of my knowledge, it is actually both um, Uber Geek and North Fork. They kind of work with Kid Squid in different ways. They they have a connection. They have a similar philosophy. You know, when I talked to Rory about this event, those were two names that came up right away. Um, and there's something similar with the Spirits event that uh, we'll be doing at Sagaponic Distillery. The other uh, distilleries involved actually buy their wheat and their other products through Foster Farms, through Sagaponic Distillery's farming arm. So there is, you know, all these connections with the with the people that are involved in, and even at Kid Squid, they can't even sell anything that's not produced within uh, the region. And so you go in there and you see Meekox Farm Dairy uh, Cheese, and they've got, you know, the food they have. Everything is is local, and it's really nice to go somewhere and just see all these local products and know that you're supporting the the local community uh, while you're enjoying yourself. So they're not making, and just to clarify, they're not making any beer there in Sag Harbor at the facility. Not, not on site. No, it's it's all it's made elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. For, for those for those who aren't familiar with Sag Harbor, uh, the Kid Squid Brewery is located inside the old an old train station in Sag Harbor, next to the Sag Harbor Garden Center. It's a it's a relatively small space though. He has a nice outdoor deck and and seating, so it's it's not built for for brewing beer. So that's why he's partnered with these other groups. Um, but these guys all seem to be having so much fun with it. It's 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 very cool. Uh, Rob Raffa, who's the owner of Uber Geek, uh, talked in our story last year about sort of waking up in the middle of the night and jotting down notes and, and coming up with all these crazy ideas for the names of his beers and stuff like that. And uh, when Rory first opened Kid Squid, um, you know, he talked about uh, the phases of the moon and how he has beers named after all the different phases of the moon, strawberry moon, flower moon. Um, all, all sorts of stuff. And I, I just think that um, these guys are, are sort of connecting um, what they love to do, which is to, to make beer and brew beer and using all these cool local ingredients. Um, because it's a commercial entity, they need to they need to market themselves. And they need to have some fun with it. And I think all of these guys are are coming up with really creative ways to bring people into their rooms. Uh, Ellen mentioned live music and Bill mentioned brew crawls. And uh, it's important that these um, that these outfits have have that commercial uh, opportunity as well to to reach the masses with their products. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. 27 Speaks is brought to you by Sag Harbor Books and Southampton Books. Independent bookstores located in the villages at 7 Main Street in Sag Harbor and 16 Hampton Road in Southampton. They buy books, collections, libraries, individual titles. Very easy process. They handle everything. Do you have books to sell? Call or email today or visit SouthamptonSagHarborBooks.com. Now hiring booksellers at both locations, including office positions. There's really quite a culture, um, you know, around it. And I think it started years ago with, 
with the different IPOs and, and and stuff. But I mean, I think the the local brewery culture has just you know um, exploded over over the last few years, and that's why you see these these different um, enterprises um, you know starting up and 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 coming out. And I think it's it's really neat. I mean, it, it's it's such a, a neat hobby for people who like that type of you know like that type of thing, and and it brings in all these different um different businesses i mean the brewery you know the or the um you know the the store in in sag harbor mixing with all the different you know the different stores and you know all that it's just really kind of neat yeah one of the cool things about the uh about beer is is it's really seasonal kind of like our produce is you know and uh so i think at this at this event because it is the middle of, of summer um i think we'll be you know we'll be probably be tasting some 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 lighter beers some with lower alcohol content one of the first uh beers that rory made when he opened was a goza which is a traditional german beer and it had amagansett sea salt coriander sort of a lemon flavor to it and uh, and a light alcohol content. You know, people don't necessarily want to be drinking those really heavy, hoppy beers in the middle of the summer. So, um, you know, all, just just uh, just like that, in the middle of the winter, they're they're serving those dark beers, and maybe that coffee stout is a little more um, appropriate for for December than it would be here in July. So. Um, again, uh, the, the seasonal nature, you know, with, with the wineries, they, they kind of make, they make one batch of wine in the, in the fall and kind of, that's the year of the, of that wine. Whereas the beer guys, they're able to really adapt with the, with the seasons and, and the different products that are available. So here in the, here at this event on July 13th, I'm guessing we're going to be tasting some, some nice light summery beers, but, uh, they, they, these guys do it all. They'll be able to talk to you about their pale ales and their, uh, their stouts and, and the kind of stuff you can look for more in the fall and the winter, which I think is really another, a cool aspect of it. But, but don't, but donuts all year, right? Because donuts are just. Donuts never get old. It's universal. Yeah. Kid Squid actually does have a beer come, a new beer come out every full moon. Yeah. That's he's very good. Cool. He has a, a new, a, a new beer come out. I don't, I don't know how they do it. And their, and their cans, just like you were talking about Uber Geek with their crazy names and stuff. The cans that uh, Rory uh, has are um, artwork in some of them. I mean, they're, they're really amazing. So it's, a, uh, it's, it's a really great spot to hang out. And there's one that has the Sag Harbor Cinema sign on it, which I think is really cool. And a percentage of the sale um, has gone to the Sag Harbor Cinema also. They also did one um, for uh, the Sag Harbor Chamber of Commerce for Harborfest uh, and did the same thing. That's so, right. uh, you know, it's really a give back to the community in some ways when they do that as well. And I just want to I think for like people that don't really enjoy beer or aren't aren't um, alcohol drinkers at all, I believe that Kid Squid also sells a kombucha, which is nice. Um yes. And then they also have a, a hard cider for those who prefer that sort of alcohol. I think they have uh, they have some wool for wine. They do have some they have some other things. I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a huge beer drinker, but I do. There's a group of people that have sort of named themselves the Squid Squad, and um, I've gotten pulled into that on a few times. And uh, we've uh, hung out there. And there's uh, there's always something. They've got non-alcoholic uh, you know beverages you can enjoy. I mean, it's 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 actually a a community gathering spot at this point. So it's going to be really fun on July 13th to be doing an event there. I'm excited about it. And what's the time on that uh, event on July 13th? It's 4 to 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. And what's the cost for people to take part in this? It's twenty dollars for uh, to attend, and that's to include all the tastings. Um, you know, pretty pretty reasonable price for for something like this. And then the the bar is going to stay open and. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was interesting, the non-alcoholic aspect of this, because uh, non-alcoholic beer has become a really big deal. 
And, um, and I'm not sure if any of these local guys are making it. That'll be a good question for them because we also, in all this beverage coverage we've been doing in the magazines, we did something on mocktails. So, you know, it's a, it's a big new movement. Um, th these places want to, want to make everybody happy. Uh, so that'll be a good question. Non-alcoholic beer. I wonder if any of them are brewing those out here. Interesting. It seems like a lot of these guys started by making it at home, which I think is really, really fun. Right. Have you guys ever made beer at home? I never have. No, I've drank a lot of beer at home, but uh, never, never, <laughs> never quite made it. <laughs> yeah, I just think that's kind of interesting, you know, like the whole idea that that I it's, that just seems like something from the stories that I read. It's just sort of like that's the the common denominator is that they all were home brewers who have taken it to the next level. Yeah, there's there's like a little bit of a mad scientist kind of thing here with these guys, right? They're like in their basement, you know, mixing all these weird ingredients and seeing how it shakes out and and going with what sticks. So so definitely um you know they're they're really interesting uh guys. They they've got such passion for it. It's a it's a really cool uh, it, you know, I would call it a hobby, but they've sort of made it their business now and, um, and good on them because, and they're supporting local stuff, like we said, and, and giving back to the community. So, um, really cool industry. That's just growing bigger and bigger. Mad scientist thing going on in the basement. That's very fun. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. And, and, and we should also, you know, mention that July 27th, as you said, we'll be at Sagaponic Distillery and we're going to be talking to some Long Island spirit makers, which is, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we, when we kicked off this series, it was obviously 50 years of, of wine and that's, you know, that that's going back to 1973, but uh, now this beer industry and now there's this spirit industry that started, uh, you know, at a few places, but, but Sagaponic locally has been the most well-known and they've got a great venue. So they're going to be hosting us. Uh, we're going to have some live music. We're going to have some light bites. We're going to have a, just a really nice closeout to this, um, to this event series. And uh, hopefully, you know, I think it brings out a different crowd of people, you know, the, the, the people who love wine are at the, we're at the American hotel. One of the, one of the places where that, that is, you know, like we said, one of the most well-known wine sellers in the region. And now we're going to a new, a new brewery for our beer event and then Sagaponic distillery. So it's a real connection to the places that are at are sort of at the ground level of these industries. And, um, and we're excited to be at the, at both those places. This is Catherine Manu, and I'm the editor of the Sag Harbor Express and co-publisher with my husband, Gavin, of the Express News Group. Local community news matters more than ever, with misinformation spreading constantly across the internet. We live in the communities we cover. We are your neighbors, your friends, your family. We tell the good stories and, unfortunately, the bad. We focus on your triumphs and losses. But we can't do this without our subscribers. To subscribe, please visit 27east.com slash subscribe. And thank you for your support. So do we know that what are the um the spirits that they make at um Sagaponic distillery? Is it all vodka? I know that the potatoes are their big thing. No, they've got they've they've got rye, they have um whiskey. I mean, I was there uh and did a tasting. I've never, I don't think I've ever had rye in my life. It's probably one of the few liquors I've it's never passed my lips until I tasted it there. And it was really good. I was kind of shocked that I liked it because I thought, well, I've never tried rye, but okay, I'll have a, I'll have a sip. Um, they do quite a few, um, uh, different vodka is definitely, um, they have a couple of really, really delicious vodkas that they make. I'm not hundred percent sure matchbook, uh, distilling and twisted cow distillery are the other two that are going to be joining us on the 27th at, uh, Sagaponic distillery. And, um, I haven't, uh, 
delve too deeply into what they make, but they're working together to make sure that for the tasting, it's not going to be all vodka, all rye, all you know, whiskey or whatever. It's going to be that you'll be able to get a different taste from, and then they're putting forward their best, what they think is best. And they're working together with um, each other to help that uh, come through to the event. So I guess like the, like the beer making, all of the, the ingredients that they're using in their distilling have to be grown um, locally. Well, it's Sagaponic. I mean, I mean, I think they started with the vod, but vodka just because it was, I mean, it was all potato farms, you know, at one time, and it was just a, a natural um, evolution, if you will. You talk about farming, and one of the one of the part owners of Sagaponic Distillery, of course, is Marilee Foster, who is a columnist for us and is a a, a, a full-time farmer in Sagaponic and um she is uh, she grows some of them some of the best produce in the region so um it's 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 interesting how these industries are growing out of our our farming industry which you know has changed over the years and 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 um you know needed to find new ways to sort of make them make their outfits commercially viable and 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 this is all grown out of that. I mean, um, these are all you know. All these beverage, this entire beverage series has its roots in farming, and we know that the that the East End of Long Island has uh, some some of the best farming and produce and really in the world. And uh, so back in 1973, when Louisa Hargreaves said, "I'm going to plant some vines," I think I think she knew what she was doing. And and now um, now these beer makers are coming along and these distillers are coming along and it all goes back to what they're growing in the fields and producing. And um, I'm excited to see what the future is for all of this, because if that wine tasting event was any indication of what, uh, you know, 50 years, what can be accomplished in 50 years, it's, you know, Ted Conklin tasting a Chardonnay and saying it's as good as anything he's gotten from France. So that's pretty, that's pretty incredible. And, and I think that the, that the beer and the spirits are on the same track. One of the first things that uh, when I sat down with Suzanne at um, Psychopunk Distillery, one of the first things she said is we are at heart and most importantly, farmers, you know, and and then that that is next time I went, she was out front planting flowers. I mean, they you know, they that really is where they're coming from. And um, so it it's very much to the heart of the East End. And uh, it seems like it's this new, oh, they're making spirits and it's so different, but it's really not. It, it's grown out of what's always been done out here, you know, which is farming. I'm really curious if they're sourcing their grains from elsewhere in the state too, since they can legally do that. You know, are we growing rye out here? Are they only growing potatoes out here? You know, what about wheat? Are they getting that from, you know, upstate New York? Um, I know that uh, Sagaponic uh, Foster's Farm is um, supplies the other two distilleries we're going to have with wheat and with other product for their, um, their, uh, their liquor. So that's how they're connected. They actually, mm -hmm. from the farm, they they get, when I talked to, um, you know, uh, Matchbook and um, Twisted Cow, they said, you know, we work with, uh, we work with Sagamonic Distillery all the time. We get our product from them that we make our uh, spirits out of. Yay. Very cool. Good. So it sounds like we got some <laughs> drinking to do, guys. <laughs> oh, no. Get it on. Get it on. <laughs> Just to remind everyone um, of the dates of the two upcoming Sips of Summer. So um, Thursday, July 13th uh, from 4 to 6, we are going to be at uh, Kid Squid Brewing Company in Sag Harbor on Spring Street for the the uh, next generation of craft beer event. Um, I will say that uh, it, there are limited tickets, so uh, everybody should uh, 
jump on uh, Sips of Summer 2023craftbeer.eventbrite.com and, and do that now. And then the um, the uh, event at Sagaponic Distillery is uh, Thursday, July 27th from 4.30 to 6.30. I can't forget that date because it's my birthday. So uh, if uh, anybody wants to come and wish me happy birthday, I'll be checking you in. Uh, but that's July 27th. And the distillery event on the 27th is $40. So there you go. So you getting any bands to play there? Uh, uh, I'm, 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 we're, I'm fairly certain that we're going to have Nancy Atlas and Indy Eaton playing together. Um, All right, fun. So that's wow. going to be fun. And um, we're really looking forward to it. Excellent. And and everybody buy Ellen a birthday drink. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> At least one. Absolutely. Twenty Seven Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.